welcome to Streaming Into the Void, where we discuss all the streaming news for the week ending January 12th, 2024. I'm Kim Hollis, who wants you to know that Tim Bridey will never appear on this podcast again. With me are Tim Bridey, content creator and gamer. I've got some opinions on vaccines I think you guys all finally need to hear. Also, David Mumpower, author of Behind the Ride and Streaming Media Analyst, who was saying Pat McAfee was a useless idiot long before it was cool. This is why punters should be seen and never heard. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that I've ever met a McAfee who was good news. Maybe it's time to retire the name. Mm -hmm. And the podcast is produced and edited by Raul Burriel, our very own asshole in a tank top. I could say whatever I want without consequence or repercussion. The kids love it. What are you going to do? Fire me? (laughs) Aaron Rodgers is a lizard person who will eat your babies. (laughs) What are you even doing at this point? This week, we have developments on a number of major stories that we've been following. It's been reported that Major League Baseball is blocking Amazon's attempt to bail out Diamond Sports, the operator of a number of struggling regional sports networks. I guess pissing off the commissioner of Major League Baseball is not a good idea when you're trying to convince Amazon to save your company whose primary business is broadcasting baseball? It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Uh, yeah, three of the people on this podcast are baseball fanatics. I mean, absolute fanatics. And it's been hilarious watching the intersection of things we love because this week I was reading an article in The Athletic and the story was how nobody saw the financial shortages coming of certain teams caused by the Bally Sinclair issues. And I'm just like, well, you could tell this person's never listened to our podcast because we've been saying one day soon, somebody's going to have a fire cell. Nobody's going to see coming because of this. And and sure enough, poor Seattle has had it happen. There were actually five teams listed that suddenly had nowhere near the money they expected. And the reason was because Diamond Sinclair is finally out of saving throws. They are so screwed. And along the way, for no apparent reason, they infuriated one of the few people who could actually save them, which is a bold tactic, but it has not paid off. It does feel like Amazon was looking for a backdoor into baseball broadcasts at this point. Rescuing Diamond probably isn't going to be the approach that works for them, but they've got enough money they can probably just go to Major League Baseball directly and sign some contracts there. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it was a smart tactic by Amazon. They were trying to work their way in for the cheapest amount of money possible, but you can understand why Major League Baseball would be like, let's cut out the middle people in this. Diamond Sinclair is failing. We got no reason to do that. So Amazon, you deal with us at MLB, nobody else. It also looks like the auction for Paramount has begun with Skydance and its CEO, David Ellison, once again jumping out front as the league contender. No real developments to report here. It looks like Skydance is the true frontrunner. I don't think anything will come of the Warner Bros. Discovery rumors. And Ellison's got plenty of backing, whether it's from Redbird Capital or, as it seems more likely now, his father, Oracle founder Larry Ellison. They've got the money. They can definitely make the bids. What's interesting here is what happened happens after Ellison or whoever buys Paramount or more specifically the parent company, National Amusements. National Amusements owns a bunch of theaters, which will almost certainly be sold off immediately. Then there's the Paramount assets. I expect a fire sale. All the cable networks, Showtime, BET, Nickelodeon, MTV, Comedy Central, they'll all be sold off. Probably the broadcast network, CBS as well. Whoever's bidding, they probably want the studio and yes, probably the streaming services, Paramount Plus and Pluto 
TV. It'll be a tough pill to swallow for Chief Executive Sherry Redstone that just as her assets hit rock bottom and start recovering is when someone's actually going to be willing to pay her what she's asking. But that's also how it works. No one's willing to pay her astronomical asking price for assets that continue to depreciate. The company is weighed down by movie theaters and linear networks, all of which are worth less and less with every passing day. But with belt tightening, I'd argue that Paramount Plus is actually on its way to becoming profitable and really an appealing asset. Yeah, there's a lot of play here. We're still in the very early days of this, but it is kind of interesting in that the tactics they have taken so far to help the sell, like the Warner Brothers Discovery rumor, have completely backfired. We talked about this last month, the time the valuation of Paramount was $10 billion. Before that, we talked about it, the valuation was $12 billion. As I look at the numbers right now on Saturday, January 13th, the valuation is $8.9 billion. They are going the wrong way. That's That's why this is going to be an auction rather than somebody actually doing a buyout because it's what we've been saying. All along on this podcast, we have stressed Paramount is theoretically worth more than what Paramount is actually valued at. So they're just going to say, hey, if you want it, come take it and see what happens next. And honestly, none of us really knows what the price is going to wind up being because I think they would actually get more money if they split it. But if they split it, maybe people aren't as interested. And that's just there's a complexity to this. And what we're really witnessing is the death of Paramount as the company we've always known, perhaps best demonstrated by the fact that longtime loyalist Tom Cruise just took a deal with Warner Brothers Discovery because he sees the writing on the wall. Guys, I have an idea. We buy Paramount on spec and sell off all the assets. I bet we come out with more money than we owe. Byron Allen has always got $10 billion (laughs) still lying around. Let's do it. Speaking of belt tightening, Amazon's undergoing more layoffs, including hundreds of job cuts at Prime Video and MGM Studios. I'd say this is in line with what I was saying just last week about how Amazon needs to get its house in order. It looks like Amazon's movie studios are being merged and consolidated, and that may be the case as well for its streaming services. Amazon has at least three streaming services, Prime Video, Freebie, and MGM+. MGM+, Plus is arguably a marquee outlet, but again, like I said last week, its shows aren't getting noticed. And now that Prime Video is starting to show ads, the purpose of Freebie has become questionable. Although it is important to note that Freebie is totally free. You don't need an Amazon Prime subscription to access Freebie. Some of the rumors I'm hearing right now suggest that Freebie won't be around much longer. And I wonder if maybe the same will be said about MGM+. Oh, it's free video. I get it now. (laughs) And as we've suggested before, explaining Freebie to somebody who doesn't know what it is is extremely difficult. And all the programs are actually available on Prime and they just say free. It's like if you want to sell something someone to watch jury duty i just said oh you can go to amazon and watch it it's free and they went oh okay rather than have to like explain what freebie is to somebody to a larger point, there was a comment the other day that we all agreed with, and the basis of it is when you are actually doing layoffs, just do one round, make sure you do all the ones you're going to need and get it over with, rip the Band-Aid off. If you have to do layoffs this year and then next year and then 18 months from now, you've done it wrong and you have made your company worse. And this is one of those times where Amazon's timing is just absolutely brutal because as a reminder, we're about two weeks away from Amazon suddenly charging people or airing commercials for Amazon Instant Video. And while they're trying to get us to pay 
anymore. They're hiring fewer staff members. In fact, they're getting rid of the ones they already have. Just brutal timing. The New York Post is also reporting that Disney and the National Football League are close to an agreement giving the NFL a stake in ESPN. I am concerned there may be some competition concerns here, maybe even enough that it will block the sale in negotiating broadcast rights with the networks. If the NFL has an ownership stake in ESPN, how are they not going to give their network preferential treatment? I don't know if this really makes sense. And again, the timing of it is absolutely surreal because pretty much the same day, we found out that the NFL Sunday ticket class action suit is going to head to trial next month, which means the odds of it winning have just gone up exponentially. And so at a time when they're facing a class action suit, they're now going to add even more antitrust issues. And uh, there's just a lot about this that's muddy, but we can't really say for sure about any of it until we actually know the parameters of the deal. I do want to add that this is pretty much what we had speculated on the podcast, what, 18 months ago, that what happened was that Disney would acquire the NFL Sunday ticket rights. And as part of that, they would take over the NFL network. That isn't how it turned out, which means you really have to hand it to Roger Goodell and the NFL because they got $2 billion from Google and then they're still getting the deal they want from Disney, which is probably going to lead to much higher carriage fees for the NFL network. And that is pretty much the end game of all of this is they're going to make sure they're getting more money for all their assets. They have monetized more effectively. Meanwhile, from Disney's perspective, they didn't get NFL Sunday ticket, but they are going to make probably ESPN Plus more appealing and the over-the-top service that's coming soon, probably 2025, it should be more appealing as well. And the reason for that is they can tie in the NFL assets. So this is the deal that Bob Iger has said he wanted and they're going to get it. It's just the timing where we were off. Do you ever really have to hand it to Roger Goodell, though? <laughs> You'll just take it, Tim. It's one of those surreal things where all the reasons why sports fans hate him are the reasons why the owners love him. The truth is that broadcast rights for most sports is not increasing to the degree that many people would expect anymore. Yes, the NBA is renegotiating their broadcast rights and they will get more than they did last time, but probably not as much as everyone thinks they're going to get. The only real sports franchise out there with broadcast rights that is increasing is professional football. It remains a cash cow for everyone involved, except, of course, for the street and networks that have to pay for those rights. The NFL is in a very good position and Disney and ESPN need to find a way to continue to pay for those rights. And one of the things they're doing for that is to try to appeal to a younger audience as people watching sports are getting older and older. One of the things they're doing for that is they're bringing on talent that appeals to that younger audience, which takes us to the Pat McAfee conversation. Here is a guy that ESPN hired on to appeal to a younger viewer. And this guy has run roughshod over the network and somehow he hasn't been fired yet. Yeah, we're still kind of in the early days of this, but the whole thing has been surreal to watch unfold. And part of it is because we just witnessed Pat McAfee host Aaron Rodgers on his live show broadcast on ESPN at noon in the place where we used to always watch SportsCenter. And during that broadcast, for no apparent reason, Aaron Rodgers took shots at Jimmy Kimmel. And by the way, they met the legal definition of slander, something that was pointed out to a lot of people, including Disney. Jimmy Kimmel, who, if anything, 
thing is more valuable to Disney as a late night talk show host than Pat McAfee goes on his show and counters. And suddenly there is a civil war between two of Disney's highest paid and most recognizable talents. And this is taking place on Disney broadcasts. It was just wild. Absolutely wild. So McAfee comes back and he's like, you know what? We went too far. I'm going to make sure Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be on the show until next season at the earliest. And that lasted for exactly 24 hours because then Bill Belichick retired. Now, this was completely the part of the story I get. He talks football with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has competed against Bill Belichick. You can understand why he would have him on for that. But if you're going to say somebody is definitely not going to be on your show for a while and then you have them back the next day, you're basically laughing and openly taunting people. What are you going to do? Fire me. And this is the dilemma Disney faces. It's the same thing when they tried to bring over Pardon My Take a few years ago where you have a bottom feeder kind of sports coverage that appeals to a certain demographic that is not the wheelhouse for ESPN, but you'd like to have those eyeballs on your programming. So you make a deal with the devil to get that. And then what you later learn is you've made that person even more powerful. At this point, Pat McAfee is so powerful that if Disney fires him, it'll actually help rather than hurt his career. Because I know that Tim immediately speculated at the time that as soon as ESPN lets him go, he signs a massive deal with somebody like Spotify and suddenly becomes the number one podcaster who is too hot for Disney. The whole thing is just an absolute landmine. And oh, by the way, Aaron Rodgers and Pat McAfee have come out and done all these weird anti-vaccine rants. And then McAfee specifically attacked an ESPN executive on air and has not apologized for it and has said he doesn't want to apologize for it. You'd wonder why Disney is taking all this. And Raul, it's as simple as this. ESPN knows that it's going to be completely over the top in 2025. And so they're just seeing if they can grit their teeth and weather the storm Pat McAfee until then, aren't they? That is it. This is not the ESPN of 10 years ago. It's not the ESPN of five years ago. This kind of insubordination would not have been tolerated back then. In fact, the executive that Pat McAfee attacked, Norby Williamson, is the hammer at ESPN. He's the guy who would have slapped down anyone that is insubordinate. The person who would have fired those people without batting an eye. At this point, ESPN is no longer that company. They need to shore up a dwindling audience and keep the brand afloat until they can get to that streaming nirvana and 2025 seems like a very far away time and it's only just a year from now and there is some thought that maybe they might even launch in 2024 but will pat mcafee make it or will disney finally just cut him loose regardless of how much value he brings to the company i would say they need to find someone to replace him before they actually cut him loose the problem is that in terms of fan bases all the other options are even worse so that's the dilemma disney has right now and Basically, what we're witnessing is eerily similar to the phenomenon we've been tracking with the movie theater industry, where the same thing is happening. We have a generation of people who have learned to consume media in an entirely different form than what has been the norm for four decades now. And so you're trying to get these people to watch ESPN. You're trying to get them to go to movie theaters rather than stream from their homes. And a lot of the people making the decisions on how to do this, by the way, aren't spring chickens themselves. And it's hard for some people to actually adapt to 
two changing circumstances. We've got two different industries here who have been permanently disrupted and trying to find the new playbook has proven, I don't want to say impossible, but there has not been the forward progress I would like to see from either business. ESPN wants this new generation of people to be consuming the worldwide leader in 2025. Realistically, the point I've been making all along is it's never going to be Pat McAfee that does that, though. It's going to be the programs themselves. And that's why that NFL deal matters. You can find ways to do what we're calling the Hogs Plus scenario, where you can tell the stories of the athletes themselves on skinny bundles with your own little streaming service, where you can actually say, hey, you should like this person and this person because and show their lives rather than having some penhead talk behind a microphone and say controversial things all day. It's better content and it's also more meaningful to society. Just one last note note here. Bob Iger understands the consequences of getting involved in the culture war at Disney, which is why he's spoken recently about trying to stay out of that business. Disney suffers from often being accused of being this woke company. In fact, they're fighting a fight in Florida now all because of that. And yet here are these on-air personalities on their sports network in a high-profile window talking about things like vaccines. And it's a tough spot to be in. If you let them continue having that conversation, you're in the culture wars. If you fire him for having had that conversation, you're in the culture wars. Ideally, they shouldn't be talking about this kind of stuff whatsoever. But then if you try to shut them up, they're just going to talk about how, oh, Disney shut me up. I don't know what the right solution is. I mean, that's the problem. Why in the world was that allowed to happen? And the answer is, I mean, I said this earlier today, and it's the reality of the situation. Pat McAfee is actually an invertebrate. I mean, he is just a spineless person who learned to survive in a locker room as a punter by just laughing uncomfortably at all of the jokes to fit in in the locker room. That's what we're talking about. And he has somehow found a way to monetize it. He has no ability to stand up to someone like Aaron Rodgers. His entire life has been about kissing Peyton Manning's ass. This is no different than that. You cannot give people like this the opportunity to hire whatever guests they want to come on air and speak about what they want. And let's not forget, Aaron Rodgers being paid seven figures to be on Pat McAfee's show. Disney has no control or oversight over any of this. And that's why it's a bad deal. And that's why I just don't see it lasting until 2025. But it was also an idea that Iger himself pursued. So we'll see. I will point out here that Disney has gotten rid of previous hosts for introducing more political content. I'm thinking of Dan Lebitard, who wanted to include some political content on his show. And Disney said no. Now Lebitard has a really popular podcast, but it's not like it's unprecedented for them to act here. And didn't ESPN try to do something with that obnoxious company Barstool a few years ago? And after like one episode, they immediately canceled it because they're all awful people. Yes, that was the pardon my take thing I referenced. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, basically what happened with pardon my take was they had just completely just slandered current on-air ESPN talent. So that deal never should have been signed. But there's another scenario here where Jamel Hill was in charge Mm -hmm. of the most valuable property, the 6 p.m. Sports Center. And the same person that McAfee is attacking now is the one who made sure that Hill was basically removed from that and is no longer with the company. Mm -hmm. And that's really, if you're Disney 
Disney right now, that's the interesting part of this. As Raul indicated, he's been their heavy in the past. And McAvee just punched their heavy in the mouth to show that he's not afraid. And that's why all of this is just a volatile cocktail. And there's not an easy out. And it just goes to show this wasn't a good deal to make in the first place. Finally, some people aren't happy that NBC and the NFL will be playing one of their playoff games exclusively on Peacock this weekend. Deal with it, Swifties. (laughs) Please direct all your complaints to Tim Bridey and not the entirety of the Streaming Into the Void tape. This seems like a good time to mention that I have currently sitting in my inbox an offer from Peacock to get one year of their service for $29.99 because they know that a lot of people are looking around today going, uh, what's Peacock? Do we have Peacock? I want to watch the game. (laughs) There was such outrage online over this when people realized that this game would be exclusive and basically NBC is going to be playing a a game that's going to start shortly after we finish recording this. And then after that game ends, they're going to say, hey, make sure to watch Peacock for this other game. Uh, bye. And people are going to be very, very mad. I've stressed for a while. I think we've stressed for a while in this podcast that exclusive live sports is the last hope for a lot of streaming services that aren't called Netflix. And if this doesn't work and Peacock will again have the Olympics later on this this year, if that doesn't work, I think they're done. And this time we mean it. <laughs> that code is Peacock 2024, folks. I would have suggested <laughs> Swifties 2024, but here we are. I honestly believe this is going to work for Peacock. And I believe most people in America have some means of accessing Peacock, probably already have a subscription to it and don't know it. So get with it, folks. I'm going to read here directly from the Deadline article because it's hilarious enough. The streamer's plans to air the wildcard game, a first in streaming, was announced at the NBCU Upfront presentation last May. Viewers in Miami and Kansas City, the two teams that will be playing, will still be able to watch the game on their local NBC affiliates. Now read the other show note we have. A New York congressman fired off an angry letter to NBC Sports and the NFL executives complaining that the move of Saturday's Chiefs versus Dolphins wildcard game to air exclusively on a subscription streaming service was a bait and switch being played on consumers. These kids these days with their streaming streams, I hate them so much and just want to watch the game. Tim, come get your congressman. He's drunk. <laughs> yeah, this this is my representative from where I live in New York. And while I do generally prefer him over many other options, this is a very old man yells at cloud moment for someone who's not that old. <laughs> there are too many streaming services. Please eliminate four. <laughs> P.S. I am not a crackpot. The best part about this for us in particular is we've known this was coming since May of 2023. We've been waiting for this day that entire time because it was so inevitable because NBC Universal had that long, that long to build up the awareness of Peacock to where this wouldn't shock everyone, and they didn't. And so a bunch of Taylor Swift fans are convinced, and I mean certain, that the only reason this is happening is because Travis Kelsey started <laughs> dating Taylor Swift, and so they're trying to monetize their pain. That's that's just what this is, and it's... <laughs> yeah, all the takes were like, wow, this is, it's, that is a conspiracy theory against Taylor Swift fans. It, it was one of the funniest things that I've seen online, and that's why the competition. NBC Universal really should have gotten more right by accident than it actually has. <laughs> 
All right. Well, this week we did not get ratings from Nielsen. What the heck is going on, y'all? Oh. Right. We do have box office, so we can talk about that, right, Tim? Yeah, absolutely. This is a a holiday weekend, and it's as mediocre as January box office was and is. Uh, we do have a couple things to talk about this weekend. The first of which is your top movie is Mean Girls, eleven point six million on Friday, which is very impressive. Though that's going to fall apart really quickly once everyone realized this was a musical. I heard you guys talking about this earlier, and I don't know if that's true. This is, of course, the cinematic adaptation of the Broadway musical, which is an adaptation of the movie. I would say that Mean Girls, the Broadway musical, is very popular with tweens and teens. And to bring it to theaters as a musical is the appeal. I think that there is going to be, at least initially, a very strong bump. But yes, beyond that initial demographic, I don't know if anybody else is going to watch it. But I think we're looking at at least some very early on strength on this one. Is there a song called Make Fetch Happen? Please tell me there is. (laughs) Now I have to go look it up, and I don't know if that's the rabbit hole I want to go down. My daughter says no. (laughs) Even better. Okay, thank you, Rolo's daughter. I'm convinced this is a a one-weekend wonder. I did see something online. Basically, it was a cell phone video of someone, you know, filming the the movie. And uh, I guess when the first song began, the audience was like, what is happening? So maybe you're right, Rule, but I doubt it. What is the deal with musicals all of a sudden? And what's more is what is the deal with them hiding musicals? But I guess it is your point that people don't want to see musicals. Wonka is a musical. The Color Purple is a musical. Mm -hmm. But looking at the trailers, you wouldn't know it. Exactly. I said this months ago. I had no idea. The initial Color Purple trailer I saw was the first movie I, I had seen back in theater since COVID was uh, was with Mission Impossible. And outside of noted, noting that some of the actors were, I was like, oh, they're they're notable for being singers. I Nothing said this was a musical. Wonka, okay, sure. Well, the original Charlie and Chocolate Factory is a musical. Gene Wilder and all that. And But then everyone was kind of surprised when Wonka came out and so, hey, it's a musical. So I don't know why they're, they have a marketing problem admitting that these movies are musicals. I will say early on when we were talking about Wonka, that I had mentioned that it was striking me as kind of an analog to The Greatest Showman. And it has made more than The Greatest Showman. And I realize that there's been ticket inflation and everything since then, but we're also in a different time. So it's still the big winner of the season, despite being a musical, right? Yeah. Relative to previous holiday years, it's not great, but it's currently at 170 million, which is far and away the best performance of anything that was released in the last couple months. So yeah, Wonka is is the big winner, such as it is. And yeah, Greatest Showman was one of the most amazing things in terms of legs that had been seen in recent memory. It just did not die. But there is one movie that came out this holiday season that doesn't seem to realize it's supposed to be dead. Yeah, something weird is happening with Anyone But You, which was a a Christmas release, and it opened to a mere six million, then benefited from the the holiday week, and it had a second weekend of 8.7 million. And then all of a sudden, last weekend, for some reason, it actually gained 11% and made just under 10 million. Somehow it's now crossed the 50 million mark, so I don't know what the hell is happening here outside of people realize that Sydney Sweeney is extremely attractive. I mean, that is the main selling point of this movie. But yeah, the, I guess we're seeing new release patterns. I wonder if maybe there's an opportunity now for movies to last longer in theaters. It always used to be you have a big opening weekend. Maybe you last a couple of weekends after that. But we're seeing here at least in this case, a movie that is actually gaining week over week rather than holding steady or declining. That's very unusual. 
it made sense with the holiday week. That's something we've been stressing for 20 plus years of box office profits was that that week between Christmas and New Year's is is amazing. And you get the, the holiday bump, but then everything falls apart. Just like, okay, last weekend, Wonka was down 37%, Aquaman 42%, Migration 41%, but then anyone you was up 11%. That doesn't make sense. I'm going to blame TikTok, knowing nothing else. And Tim, whenever we see something like this, we can't help but remember the strangest phenomenon you and I ever tracked, and that was my big fat Greek wedding. This is like the small scale 2024 version of that, isn't it? Where something doesn't seem to have anything particular going for it. It's just a nice, gentle film that people like. So that's good enough to make it stand out from the rest, isn't it? Yeah, there's nothing special about this movie's reviews for middling, and we're not used to seeing phenomenon like this in box office, especially post-COVID. But yeah, going back, like I said, 20 years now for the original Buy Big Fat Greek Wedding, that was just the epitome of word of mouth and social media did not exist then. So people would just, they would see it and they would tell someone else to go see it and they saw it and they told other people to see it and just kept growing, crossing what, it made over 200 million. But that's not going to happen here. So this is definitely a much smaller scale, but this is a very weird phenomenon that this happened last week. And when you're talking about middling reviews, I mean, it's currently got a rotten rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's 51%, which means half people like it, half people don't. But the audience score of 87% kind of shows that maybe just maybe there's a kernel of something here. And honestly, it doesn't take much because I'm going to say something wildly controversial. And I kind of hope Raul's daughter isn't listening at this point. But Mean Girls isn't that great a film. I mean, we saw it in theaters on opening weekend. Kim liked it more than I did because it does skew more heavily to women. But it's kind of a mess in a lot of ways and its message is all over the place but it's nice and some of the parts of it are extraordinarily funny you know which you'd expect from Tina Fey but Mean Girls is not the type of thing that we should be getting (laughs) recreations of 20 years down the line but if you strike a chord anything's possible and anyone but you is playing out like a theatrical release of a Hallmark movie where it doesn't have to be great it's just good enough with people that are likable In our green lights and cancellations this week, Max is dropping the axe on two sophomore series, the Julia Child series, Julia, and the pirate series, Our Flag Means Death. Oh my God, Rule, I am so sorry. David Zasloff knows the consequences of what he's done. (laughs) Does he know? They had Bill Gates on The Simpsons once, and Gates' dialogue was, I didn't get rich by cutting a lot of checks. David Zaslav <laughs> isn't going to pay for content, folks, okay? And actually, we, we talked about this offline or before recording, but I would kind of expect the show to attempt to be shopped to someone else. I mean, there's definitely a cottage industry. I'm not going to go into details here, but we got Raul's a couple of Our Flag Means Death items for Christmas, and we had our choice of like, you know, 200. I mean, it is a beloved show in some circles. There should be demand for it somewhere, especially with the talent like Taika Watiti involved. But, you know, maybe it's just one of those things where they're surprised they were able to get two seasons of it and they feel like they've told their story. I don't know. Raul, you indicated it's not a cliffhanger, right? Yeah, I'd be happy if it was only two seasons. Certainly season one ended on a cliffhanger and we needed season two for some kind of closure. It is open-ended, but we could end on season two and I think everybody would be happy. There's an opportunity maybe to revisit this 
show in a few years, there's enough production talent behind it to think that maybe someone was happy enough with the show that at some point they pitch a special or a movie for streaming or what have you to wrap up the open-ended elements. But this was a strong two seasons of a show, and I don't think I'm being left wanting for more. But hey, if they gave me more, I'd be very happy as well. At Apple TV Plus, Rosie Perez and Billy Crystal have signed up for the limited series Before. It's apparently a psychological thriller with Billy Crystal as a child psychiatrist and Rosie Perez as the foster mother to a troubled child. So I guess it's going to be full of laughs. It sounds like a prequel to the After series. And this is not exactly Disney Plus news, but it's been announced that the breakout Star Wars stars Grogu and The Mandalorian are jumping to the big screen. There's been some trouble at Lucasfilms lately as Kathleen Kennedy has been having trouble getting a new Star Wars movie into production. There's been some talk about doing a Rey series where she becomes the leader of a new band of Jedi in training. But it looks like the movie The Mandalorian and Grogu, that's apparently the name they're going with, (laughs) is going to be the first one out of the blocks at Lucasfilms. This is their next Star Wars movie. After season three, I wasn't necessarily expecting a season four. I don't know that season three was their strongest outing. I feel at this point they're probably trying to wrap up the entire franchise of The Mandalorian here with this movie. John Favreau is slated to direct. He's very good. So let's hope he can give us a very good closing chapter. On the other hand, I'm thinking that just spitballing here that Disney's like, you know, we sure do make a lot of money from merchandise of The Mandalorian and Grogu. So, hey, maybe a movie makes sense. Kim is correct. Uh, Raul is way off base here. We're more likely to get a Mandalorian trilogy that winds up being six films or nine films by the end. We've got Grogu as like, you know, an irritable teenager, kind of like Baby Groot developed into. This is not going away anytime soon. Disney just looked at the board and they said, we've got to release a Star Wars movie that is a guaranteed hit and they did the obvious thing and I am not the least bit surprised and we're going to see a lot of this unless they absolutely screw it up and since John Favreau is one of the most reliable people in this industry that won't happen so get used to a lot of this they have done exactly what they hope to do they have leveraged Disney Plus into rebuilding the Star Wars brand and now they're going to monetize it there is always money in Baby Yoda always 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 the mistake would be to call the film Grogu instead of Baby Yoda. (laughs) Exactly. Over on Netflix, Tina Fey is remaking the Alan Alda comedy, The Four Seasons, as a limited series in collaboration with Universal Television. I actually love that movie. And I have lived this life as well, so I am all for this. Yeah, Tina Fey continues her relationship with Universal Television. The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt was a Universal show, even though it played on Netflix. And similarly, the Tina Fey-produced Girls 5 Ever was originally on NBC Universal's Peacock, but is now jumping over to Netflix. It looks like Universal continues to have faith in Tina Fey, even if Peacock does not. Hey, what's Peacock? I have no idea. Is it is it new? What? <laughs> Nobody knows. And how do you stream on it? I don't know what she wanted to watch, but I got a text from my mother the other day asking if we have Peacock. And I said, <laughs> yes, you watch The Continental on it. And she said, oh, that's right. <laughs> awesome. It's a and twisted speaking... metal series, right? <laughs> Possibly. Yes, obviously. Yep. 
And speaking of Peacock, Samuel L. Jackson will be joining Kevin Hart in the true crime limited series Fight Night, the million dollar heist on the streamer. Fright Night? Fight Night. Damn. Boo. <laughs> Not the same. It's set in Atlanta in 1970 during the night of Muhammad Ali's big comeback fight. As always, we close out with what's been keeping us busy this past week. And I have, I actually sat down and watched Pokemon Concierge, which may seem silly, but it is a very sweet and cozy and relaxing show. The actual Pokemon themselves are just really nicely rendered. They either look like they're fluffy or, you know, whatever material they are, they actually really look it in this series. It's almost like stop motion animation animation, but not quite. So if you just need something to help you decompress and relax for a little bit, the episodes are like 15 to 20 minutes a piece. I think there's six episodes. Give it a shot. It's nice and meditative. Raul, how about you? I've actually spent a lot of time watching stuff on YouTube lately. It's starting to feel a lot like the end of an era on YouTube as a lot of the personalities on YouTube who were personalities simply for being on YouTube are going away. Recently, Tom Scott played his last weekly episode of his show on YouTube and Matt Pat, a game theorist, has also announced that he's retiring from YouTube. A lot of the stuff we're seeing on YouTube now is, at least the stuff I'm watching, is a lot more documentary style. Uh, I feel it'd be kind of like watching stuff on PBS and it is the kind of stuff I'm interested in and it is moving away a lot from the personality stuff. So moving away from that I'm actually going to visit one of the movies I watch on streaming over the holidays, and that is the Pixar movie Elemental, which I watched on Disney+. Plus. It is glorious to behold. Visually, it is stunning, as you would expect almost any Pixar movie to be. Unfortunately, the plot is very thin. About halfway through as I was watching it, I mentioned to one of my kids exactly what was going to happen, as it was very rote and predictable. But I guess of all the movies and TV shows I've seen that have this literal premise to it. This is probably the prettiest of them. Not going to spoil it, but I would tell you that if you are watching this and you think, oh, is this really going to happen the way I think it's going to happen? I'm going to tell you, yes. Yes, it's actually going to happen exactly the way you think it's going to happen. It is a very pleasant movie, not my favorite of the Pixar movies, but I would still strongly recommend watching Pixar's Elemental on Disney+. Plus. I think if you just think of Elemental as a rom-com, you can really roll with what the plot itself is. That's kind of the way I've I've gone with it. Tim, how about you? Still playing Octopath Traveler, which I talked about last week because, you know, it's a Square Enix RPG. So, of course, it's like a bazillion hours long, but I'm still really loving it and looking forward to getting to the sequel. And the thing that's been saving my sanity this past week is Sirius XM currently has a Green Day radio channel. They are one of my favorite bands and American Idiot is my favorite album of all time and turns 20 years old this year, which is not okay. And also Dookie turns 30, which is also not okay. What the hell happened? It's all their classic songs, even songs that weren't released as singles from all their albums. And then, of course, they throw in songs that say, oh, here's bands we're big fans of that we were influenced by. Here's bands we're touring with this year, which they're going on tour with Smashing Pumpkins, Rancid, and the Linda Lindas, and just other things that they're into right now. So it's a lot of fun. If you like Green Day, you'll love this, of course. Looks to only be running for about another week or so, but do check it out if you have uh, SiriusXM in your in your car or, or the app. Ash, I remember 30 years ago when Dookie was was big and I think I had the MTV Video Awards on maybe and Kurt Luder came on and was all excited about Green Day being on. He's <laughs> like, oh, they're, I'm so excited about this band Green Day that's going to be here. Yeah. 30 years. Makes, what the hell? 
I did not. That okay makes this. me feel old. No. Mm-mm. All right, David, how about you? Yeah, so December and January is usually the busiest time of the year for me now, and I have almost caught up with all my work. I was looking at it yesterday, and after what was originally a plan of like 35-something, I have four left. So I'm almost done, but it has cut into my viewing time. The one thing Kim and I have started doing is we've started catching up on Echo and What If. We have watched three episodes, maybe four episodes of the nine of What If Season 2, and we've watched the season premiere of Echo. Kim? we're just stunned by how pretty what if season two is aren't we yeah what if looks great it's also just a lot of fun so far all the episodes have been really really enjoyable and funny Yes, very funny. And there's actually a diehard knockoff in the third one. And the instant I realized what it was going to be, I was so happy and I was just joyous throughout the episode, which would have aired on Christmas Eve. So it was perfect. Uh, I am really, really impressed by how much What If has leveled up in season two compared to season one. They obviously had a lot of time to work on it to perfect the episodes and it shows. And the opposite applies to Echo, which if you read Marvel blog, I'll have a uh, let's talk about Echo written for this week. One of the things I say in that is it's obvious they did not have enough footage so they decided to pull from Hawkeye and Hawkeye is pretty close to perfect. So if you're going to do that take from the best. They already had the footage that involved the Maya Lopez character. They went ahead and used it and I thought that they pulled together what proved to be a surprisingly good pilot episode. Whether the rest of the show works out or not, we'll see. Roll actually was making comments before the podcast that indicate to me that maybe just maybe I'm going to have my uh, my heart broken here, but I was pleasantly surprised by the start of it anyway. Thank you for listening to Streaming Into the Void. Please consider subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we welcome your feedback. Remember that we're on social media at Streaming Void and online at StreamingVoid.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider becoming a supporter on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Be sure to watch for us again next week. 